This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 34 of Retired Racehorse Radio on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, Casual Products, and Bait Saddles. Retired Racehorse Radio is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse, brought to you in cooperation with the Retired Racehorse Project and New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program. On today's show, we have five-star eventer, Allie Saxon, who's going to talk to us about why she loves the thoroughbred breed for her sport. Kyle Rolfus joins us to talk about his experience entering into the racing world for the first time with his homebred filly. And Leandra, of course, is going to join us with another fab training tip. And we melt your heart with a winner's circle adoptable horse of the week. Listen in. And they're off on Retired Racehorse Radio, the podcast that is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse. This is Jamie Jennings in Norman, Oklahoma. And this is Joy Hills from Kalamazoo, Michigan, and you're listening to Retired Racehorse Radio. Hi, Jamie. Hi, How are you handling the summer. Um- uh, you know what? It's, it's, uh, we're doing all right. We're doing all right. But I wanted to say congratulations. You were just on an episode of the dressage radio show. Yes, it was so fun. Our first crossover. Uh, it was a lot of fun to talk with. Whatever you Phil. have been on my other show, Horses in the Morning. So we'll go with. Well, yeah, that's true. Crossover. that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so it went good. You, you were happy with Because uh, I know that when I listen back to myself on this podcast or any mm-hmm. podcast, I am super hypercritical and I'm like, Oh, I wish I would have said that. Or I wish I would have done that. How did you think you did? You know, I was really nervous because we kind of talked about, um, a sensitive topic. We talked about inclusiveness in the horse world and also kind of, we talked about our show, but it, it was really fun. We talked forever. It flowed really nice. The thing is when I listened to this, Jamie, my dad was in the car with me and we were stuck on the highway listening to me talk. Oh gosh. What I was like sweating through it, like waiting for the criticism, but he's, he only critiqued me a couple times. So I'm like, all right, I'll call <laughs> that a success. That's a win right there. Well, yeah. congratulations. And, and I think you're really brave for going on and talk about, uh, you know, for those who don't know, joy is African-American. And so I, I'm so proud of you for going on and talking about such an important yet sensitive topic and being so brave to speak up. So congratulations. Yeah, it was such an honor to do it. And I'm really excited to Phil and Reese both have some fun thoroughbred stories. So we'll bring them on our show too. So Everyone will have to listen in to get those fun details. Yeah. Tell me what's going on with you. You've been super busy at farm. I did. And you know what? I've sold, I, I, I didn't mean to sell all the horses I have, but people are going crazy buying horses right now, I feel. And so I've sold Drax and I sold Groot and I sold Oki, my mare. And I was like stuck. I don't, I only have my three-year-old to ride and the horses mm-hmm. in training, of course. So I went out and bought myself a horse. <laughs> I went out and got myself a new OTTB. He's so pretty. Oh my God. Okay. What's his name? What's his name? So his name is, his race name was Falcon Hayes, F-A-L-K-E-N, Falcon Hayes by Silver Hayes out of Falcon Dancer. So it was perfect. Um, But of course, most of the horses here have Avenger names, uh, Drax and Groot. Can Can I guess? Can I guess? Well, his name is Falcon and Falcon is an Avenger. That's true. (laughs) <laughs> I, was back, I was like, 
Is it Hawkeye? Like, <laughs> it was an easy go. It was an easy one. He's a, about 16, maybe 15, three hand bay. Okay. I've always had these big ginormous horses and I was ready for something a little easier to mount from the mounting block. So I got a 15, three hand, five-year-old bay gelding and I'm super excited. He's, okay. he's of course pretty quirky, but aren't they all? So you just have to figure out what their quirks are and learn to deal with them or learn to help them with them. So that's kind of in the phase we're at. Well, I can't wait to follow along with, you know, your journey with him and where he ends up going. I'm, I'm guessing you're hoping he'll be a nice eventer for you. Of course. That's what I'm hoping. It. He's so pretty. Oh my gosh. And he's so nice. And he like, yeah. he's in the pasture and he'll see me and he just comes up. I'm like, Hey, how's it going? And that's such a wonderful thing when you have a horse that does, like my, uh, some of my other horses see me, they're like, Oh God. Oh God, that she is the one that makes this work. And this one is like, hi, I don't know you yet. So I'm going to like you. <laughs> uh, so it's going really well. So yes, that's our, that's the news. And, um, now before we get to our first guest, let's go ahead and hear from our title sponsor without them. This show would be undoable. And that is of course our friends at Kentucky performance products. She swallowed hard as they walked into the start box she could feel his muscles tense under her leg. Five, four, three, two, one. Have a great ride. She didn't have to ask. He galloped out of the box and across the field toward their first training level course. His ears pricked. Her heart pounded. He attacked each obstacle with confidence, clearing them with room to spare. A huge smile broke out on her face as she crossed through the finish flags. She leaned forward and buried her face in his neck. Their bond of love and trust blocked out all else. This love story is brought to you by Elevate. Research proven to have superior bioavailability. Elevate supplies the essential vitamin E often missing from the equine diet. Its all-natural formula supports healthy muscle and nerve functions. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Call 859-873-2974 or visit kppusa.com to order today. I'm very pleased to welcome to the show a, you know, big time eventer rider, Rolex rider. Now, I guess Land Rover rider, five-star eventer, Allie Saxon. Hi, Allie. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for joining us here on Retired Racehorse Radio. There is one reason that we would decide to have you on our show. And can you guess what that is? Mm, I don't know. What is it? Maybe it's all them thoroughbreds that you're riding these days. So <laughs> <laughs> tell us a little bit about yourself. Introduce you to yourself to people that maybe aren't familiar with your eventing career. Um, okay. So I come from a point club background, I would say. I got my start in Pony Club and kind of had the bug bite me pretty young. Um, I think we always lost my first event. I was like five or six and oh, it was a D Pony Club eventing rally and I fell off of the very first cross country fence because I trotted <laughs> instead of walked it. So <laughs> that was my start of my big eventing career. <laughs> um, and that's what you're like, uh, so this I is the sport I want to do. <laughs> this one. Yes, exactly. I like, I like falling on the ground and, you know, keep going type of mentality. So um, I got started there. I did the pony club thing. I got up through my A pony club rating and uh, always venting was kind of my primary focus. Um, and I kind of started with thoroughbreds, I think as young as, probably 16, I got one of my first off the track thoroughbreds. 
um, a friend of mine had saw him at one point and his name was TJ and I did some point club show jumping stuff with him. And he was just kind of my first introduction to off the track courses. And he was, he was a good boy. He was an easy thoroughbred, not, not anything fancy, but you know, just a good, reliable horse. So that was kind of my first taste of off the tracks. And I've kind of dabbled around here and there with a variety of them. So I've had kind of all types, the hot ones, the not so hot ones, mares, geldings, and everything in between. So currently I have um, a gray five-year-old off the track thoroughbred. His name is, well, we call him Duncan at home. And um, he is a Maryland bred racehorse. And he, I got, uh, I got, I guess, six weeks ago now. Um, and I'm quite excited about him. He's uh, a little bit bigger than my normal horse because I tend to, for some reason, ride small horses. He's about 16 to 16 which is actually good because I'm 5'10", but I seem to ride more like 15 three horses. For well, some you reason. have these, you've, so, you've gone pretty far <laughs> up the levels with Connemara crosses. So yeah, this one's pretty big. Yeah, correct. Correct. But he's, uh, he's been fun. I kind of first ride on him. I was like, Oh, I, I really like this one. So I'm kind of excited to see kind of where he's going to go. And, you know, I like to let them kind of guide me and what they want to do. And every horse kind of has their, their job that they fit well into. So I never like to push them into a career. I like them to kind of let me know where they want to go. So. Well, it's, it's interesting. And the reason that this grabbed my attention, I wanted to have you on was because you're, 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 you're posting about him. You guys go to Von Saxon eventing and you can find, uh, and kind of follow along with the profile, but it's, it's so fun to watch your daughter on the horses. And then you've got, <laughs> you know, him out there and, and it's fun to, to see what made you choose Duncan. Why was he the, the, the thoroughbred that you picked? Um, so I kind of been looking for a, a bigger horse just because I know for me, it's a little easier if I'm on a bigger horse, uh, as much as the Connemara's are fun, they don't get very big as we said. And, you know, your balance has to be spot on all the time, which of course it should be anyway, but you know, the, a little bit bigger horse gives me a little more wiggle room and a couple of the past servers that I've have, have also been smaller, so I was looking for just a bigger horse and we went and looked at him at the farm um, kind of during the shutdown. He got sent home and was at one of the, at his home farm in Maryland and they turned him out and he just had really good gates. He was really well balanced. He was running around like getting the red dust when they turned out. And he, he just, he never looked like he was going to fall down. He never looked like he was going to go through the fence. That to me meant that he was smart. He could stay on his seat. It was a little slick and muddy, and he just seemed to have a you know kind eye and a good demeanor about him. Um, so I was like, okay, let's 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 get him. <laughs> Not to mention the fact that he's really brave. Not that you knew that ahead of time, but I watched a video and I believe it was Duncan when you were. It was like his fourth time jumping. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, that was him. Yeah, okay, that was him. That's ridiculous. Yeah, Talk brave. about that. <laughs> So, um, I like to kind of actually go to cross country jump sooner rather than later with them. Cause I think they, as horses respect the solid objects a bit more. So he had jumped a couple times at home and I was taking a group of students to Boyd Martin's place, um, over in Cochranville. And I was like, I'm just going to take him and see what he does. Um, you know, if I get there and he's losing his mind, I'll just walk around with him. And if he's being good, I'll jump him. And he was being good. And he actually was more settled 
when he was working. So I just kind of kept jumping him and he, he didn't care. Like the, the hardest thing was steering more than anything. So, you know, I pointed him as long as I could get him to the fence straight. He was fine. It wasn't that he was spooking at the fence. It was just, we just don't have all the aids yet. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, of course. And, and that's, what's fun also about following your page on Facebook is you see stuff like that. And then you see like, you know, that part joy in people magazine where they're like stars, they're just like us, you know, <laughs> I'm watching yeah. Allie is on this thoroughbred following a golf cart with her child and like a ton of dogs and just like a normal <laughs> kind of day here on my farm, like whatever, let's just like, what are we going to do to desensitize them? Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, we're very, it's a, I think I have it on my page. It's a family run business and it's very much all, all parts of family, including Nana and Papa and everything in between child and her dad and everybody. So <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a fun, fun. I've always been very family centered. So it's fun to just kind of keep going with that in my business itself as well. That's great. Yeah. So uh, my son is now seven and he, you know, I think the riding bug has come and gone. Now your daughter's how old? Yeah. She's two and a half. Okay. How she, cause, cause I'm, I still feel like number one, I should have had a girl. I just knew it was going to be a girl. I came on <laughs> a boy and he like, doesn't really want to ride. He'd rather like, you know, kick things. Um, so uh, uh, I'm watching your videos and, and now is your daughter, is she liking riding? She is. I mean, we let her kind of take the lead on it. You know, if she says she wants to ride then we'll, we'll let her ride that day. Um, we have a, uh, one of my boarders has a 20 year old quarter horse. So she rides on him and he's, he's absolutely perfect for it, but she's, She's just she's taking it in stride. I think, you know, we might get her a, a tiny pony just so she can brush things and stuff like that because I don't have anything that she can't walk under basically right now. <laughs> so, um, uh, but we'll see. I mean, she might be a dancer. I don't. I hope not, but maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Let's so. be honest here. Dear God, please don't play soccer. <laughs> just Right, right. So <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I mean, she obviously has every opportunity to, so. Yeah, obviously. So, so what do you have in the, in the higher levels right now that you're working on? Um, so Neo is kind of my only upper level horse. I had another off the track thoroughbred mare that my friend Jill McNichol owned, um, that I competed up through prelim last year. Um, and Jill had bought the mare. Her name was one wild kitty, um, to crossbreed with her Connemara's. And so we kind of just wanted to get her a little bit of a record on her, just A, to see what, you know, she could do and B, just so we can be like, oh, she's out, you know, this foal is out of a prelim mare. And she was a really cool mare, um, but she went home to get bred. So I just have Neo right now for the upper levels and I have some other client horses and stuff that I, uh, in the barn, but right now it's kind of quiet. Yeah. I think everybody's been a little quiet, but you, you have definitely have a color for sure. You have a look sparrows. Neo, <laughs> I know. Big gray. I know the gray. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, yes. I don't know how I keep drawing to my, to the grays. I keep saying, I'm not getting another gray. I'm not getting another gray. And sure enough, another gray shows up. In the do market. you have a groom or do you groom them yourself? I was going to ask, like, do you have a secret for the grass stains? Like, are you allowed <laughs> to tell? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I love, blanket sheets, fly sheets, anything that kind of keeps the on, on them. Um, mm-hmm. Neo being a gray, I've always been kind of, um, 
OCD about keeping the sun off him as much as possible. So he's always got like a fly sheet or a cool coat on or something like that. So that definitely helps. And then in the winter, honestly, just keeping him clipped seems to keep the stains away because they can't get long enough to get stained. Um, and just lots of baths. I mean, everybody gets a bath at least once a week and more than likely more than that. But no, I'm, I'm, I'm it. I don't have a groom right now. So it's, it's me, myself and I, and then whatever. So you're, you're doing it to yourself is what I'm, what I was getting at. Like, yeah. are you torturing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dedication, torturing Jamie. It's called oh. dedication. <laughs> <I'm> tor- <laughs> yep. Totally torturing myself. But I, it's, uh, the, my horse before Neo was also great. So I've had lots of practice at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I like to buy horses that are the color of dirt. <laughs> so uh, yep. Well, listen, <laughs> Allie, this has been so fun talking to you. If you could wrap up like in a, in a, in a, in a paragraph or two or in a minute, why do you think that thoroughbreds are the way, why do you like the thoroughbred as far as eventing or whatever sport? Um, I think for eventing, you know, we always talk about the ability to run and you obviously know if it's the herbred, you're probably going to get something that can run. And if you can find, you know, a, a classically bred thoroughbred, you know, that's what the event horses are, you know, and I think it's a great way to find options for people that necessarily have the budgets to import or buy the big fancy warm bloods because they can hold their own. They just need time and patience. And I, I love a challenge and I find it, it's a fun challenge for myself. Um, and I don't know. I'm, I'm a sucker at the end of the day. So I like giving, giving something a second career, a second home, finding, helping them find what they can move on to. I've had everything from something that's now a broodmare to fox hunting to a trail horse to event horses um, that have all kind of come through my barn off the track. So, you know, I don't, necessarily flip them but i i enjoy finding where they want to go yeah it's very very rewarding for sure well ali as thank you so much for coming on and uh and sharing with us some stories we really appreciate it we look forward to having you back on again soon okay sounds good thank you thank you it's fly time protect your equine friends with cashel company's full line of chemical free fly protection the cashel company's crusader fly mask has a patented design for maximum comfort and protection from insects and blocks 70 percent of uv rays available in an array of styles and sizes cashel company's crusader line of fly protection is a chemical free alternative to fly sprays that can contain chemicals are expensive and don't last for long periods of time the Crusader line from Cashel Company can protect your horse from head to toe. Available in fly masks, fly sheets, and fly boots. Extend the life of your horse's shoes and alleviate pressure from their leg soft tissue with Cashel Company's Crusader leg guards. Their unique adjustable design helps reduce stomping caused by insect-induced stress and fits any horse in the barn. For more information on all the Cashel products, visit one of their nationwide authorized dealers or visit CashelCompany.com. Stay connected by following them on Facebook and Instagram at Cashel Company. Well, I'm super pleased to say that one of my dearest friends is coming on the show today. He's been on before, but uh, it's a special treat for this one. And we have Kyle Rolfus with us, who's a level three certified Harmony Horsemanship instructor. And he's been on countless times to talk about his thoroughbreds. He's a five-time makeover contestant. But he's on a, a different path, and we're here to talk about that today. Welcome to the show, Kyle. Thanks, Joy. Thanks so much for having me back. Of course. It's it's so exciting to have you on because I think this is a rare opportunity that we get to talk about. You're going from makeover 
to actually going into the racing world with your homebred filly. That's so exciting. Yeah, I wouldn't have guessed this when I, six years ago, when I was shopping for Lady McJazz uh, for my first makeover horse. And here I am now, <laughs> uh, her, her first foal. Uh, two years, you know, as a two-year-old getting ready to take her to Kentucky to start as a racehorse and be my first racehorse. So yeah, I've kind of gone the opposite direction of, of racehorse to off-track thoroughbred. Now I'm going off-track thoroughbred and I'm being pulled into the racing world. Absolutely. And, you know, how did you come to this idea? How was Diana former or Diana, if you follow her, like I do religiously on Facebook, what was the dream for her? How did this inspiration come? Well, it really started. I mean, honestly, I fell in love with thoroughbreds 20 years ago uh, when I worked for a bloodstock agent in Pennsylvania. And so I'd always gotten to work with the weanlings and getting them ready, the weanlings and yearlings, getting them ready for the auction down in Kentucky. And I was always fascinated with training. I've always seen amazing trainers. I've always seen great owners. I've, I've seen a side of racing that has made me realize the positives to the sport. And so I was never really afraid of getting an off-track thoroughbred for the, the reasons that a lot of people, you know, are because of they're afraid of how their training went or abusive situations. And yes, there's bad apples in every bunch. And we're not going to talk about that today, but it really, when I got Freya, who's her juxtaposition name is Lady McJazz. But when I got Freya, I really knew that I wanted to get a mare that I could potentially breed in the future because I've always wanted to have my own foal ever since dealing with all the, the foals and the, the weanlings uh, so long ago. So I had known in the future I probably would, but at the time I really thought I'd probably breed her to a Hanoverian and I'd end up with a sport horse baby and that's where I would go. But the more that I've grown over the last five years of having, you know, having my horses, the more that I've realized that I like to be around my horses. I like to spend time with them on the ground. I like to have a relationship. I like to be an owner. I like to be a trainer, but I'm not a very good showman. I'm, I get a little nervous in the show ring. And so riding in, sh in the show world isn't exactly where I want to be. And I really wanted a horse that would be multi-purpose when I was looking at breeding Freya. I wanted something that could get to do what they were born to do, but could also have the chance to do whatever it is that, that where they thrive. And I really, truly think that these thoroughbreds get a great start at the track. Even though I've started countless horses in dressage when I worked professionally as a dressage trainer, I think that dressage has great benefits to a foundation that it starts, but I think racing has its own benefits. And that's why when I was looking at breeding, I thought I want to fold that I have the option of racing mm -hmm. if she wants, but also the ability to be a sport horse. So I, I looked at bloodlines that were conducive to sport after racing. I looked at confirmation that was conducive to sport size. I mean, she's my filly's huge. She's a 16, three, two year old. Um, she's a giant big bone baby. She's out of the 17 hand there and she's by a 17 one stallion with a lot of turf line. So she's not ideal for racing in Ohio. <laughs> there aren't a lot of turf <laughs> horses, but for a long-term sport horse for me, she's, she's super. So I really wanted that versatility and I wanted the option to race. I didn't know when I first, when I bred Freya, uh, to Vertiformer back in 2017, I didn't know if I actually would end up with a horse going off to race training, but I knew I wanted to set myself up for the option. Oh, that's amazing, Kyle. And you did something very unique too that we don't see often in the racing world or really at all in the horse world is you have brought Diana into 
mainstream social media. We've had a chance to see her. I mean, even from picking a sire, you made that a community feature and had, you know, the people who follow you a part of picking who her sire was going to be. We saw her be born. We saw, you know, your process with her all the way up to this point. And that makes it a very unique experience. What are some of the things that you think having her at home will set her apart from other foals going into the racing world at this time, as opposed to what we traditionally know, they are born, they're with their uh, broodmares, and then they go into a pasture, they sit and then go back to training at these big farms. What do you think is going to help her from being homebred with a small farm in your backyard? I think what really helps is I've been able to give her one-on-one attention since day one. And I've been able to work. I have my, I've had my list since day one of skills I think she needs for the track. So I knew she needs to be able to deal with being tied. She needs to be deal like with straight tied. She needs to be able to handle being bathed and groomed and handled. But I also wanted to let her have that ability to be a baby and really grow up. Mm-hmm. So I think having a small herd of, you know, I only have five horses, four of whom are retired thoroughbred mares and the, this one filly, I was able to really give her care that was focused on what she was going to do in the future without taking away that kind of herd environment where she got to go out on a large pasture and still be a horse. But I think that the benefit yet was definitely there of me being able to handle her every single day and kind of prep her for a stall life and give her that balance between the two. That's a beautiful thing to see. And I I watched it too. I think you took her on like a walk down the street, this large two-year-old. You can kind of see her eyes bugging out a bit. I'm just... If I took any of the horses my parents bred, heck, if I took some of my horses now who are like in their 20s going down the street like that, I've never seen a horse that calm. Do you think that's going to help her, you know, stay safe on the racetrack, stay focused on the racetrack? Or do you think that's bred or trained in? I think it's a combination of the two. I think there's a little nature and a little nurture there. I think that bloodline wise, like when I, when I was looking at stallions, Vertiformer has a very... Um, very laid back personality for a stallion, but he also has bloodline. The Dynaformer lines are known for being very tenacious, a little tough. Dynaformer himself was a challenging stallion, but I knew that on, on Freya's side on with Lady McJazz, her family line has been very laid back. Um, she's always been very lazy. I needed something with, that was going to have maybe a little spark. So I was able to first off, obviously pick bloodlines that I felt would hopefully complement each other really well. And then, yeah, to your point, Joy, I've been able to get her out and exposed, but she's actually had a very sheltered life. So she hasn't really had many bad experiences. And then the bad experiences that she's had or the scary experiences that she's had, if you will, I've been able to counteract them really quickly because I've been there. She's had me as a consistent point. I do think it prepped her really well for, for racing and being away from home. I mean, it's going to be really hard just to drop her off on Saturday, but I also know that I'm super excited. I, I took my time to really research the right trainer, the training facility, and I know that she's going somewhere that I'm actually excited to take her. I know she's ready for this next step and there's going to be, and I think she's prepared because she's handled change really well. I've never kept her on the same schedule. I've made sure that We've, you know, nothing has been a big deal. Everything's been positive, but she also has just been really laid back. I mean, there's a part of me that says, I don't know if she'll be able to get out of the starting gate because (laughs) she's so laid back and loves to sleep. And she's a very like calm, quiet horse with a little bit of fire in her belly. So she's got just enough that I feel like 
it should be something that will make her be competitive. Oh, that's exciting. And I'm excited to see where she goes with that. So you, you spent a lot of time finding a place and I, you know, I've watched you on that journey too. Uh, are you able to disclose where she's going? And if so, where is that? And why did you pick this place? Totally. So I, um, she's going to a trainer by the name of Brian Waltz in LaGrange, Kentucky. And the, the training plan for now is, um, and it's, it's the facility called, I think I said High Point in uh, LaGrange, Kentucky. But the, the plan is for her to go down there for a maximum 90 days right now. And she'll start out with, you know, in those first 30 days, we'll be doing, you know, close evaluations to make sure that she's actually um, comfortable. I think actually you had a tick on recently and I, on, on one of your recent episodes. And I know mm-hmm. he was talking about the idea of like a horse enjoying it, maybe a little anthropomorphic, but more or less, are they relaxed about it? Like what's their body language read around things? And that's what we'll be looking for when she's at training. So I picked a trainer that I feel takes his time. You know, there, there probably won't be much that she's going to do major crazy stuff in the first 30 days. And then she won't really even do maybe her first breeze until her second six thirty 30 days. And she'll only be there for those 30 days, like so days, you know, 31 through 60. If she seems to still be relaxed, she seems to be excelling both mentally and physically. And then if she really seems to be thriving and she seems to be kind of eating it up, she'll stay for 90 full days, but then she'll come back to the, to my farm and she'll stay there the whole winter and just kind of have let down time and go back. She won't actually race until she's a three-year-old partially because of her size. Um, she's just in her bloodline. She's a bred that maybe started a little bit later. But yeah, when I was looking for a farm for training, I interviewed a lot of different trainers. Um, Brian came to me through recommendations of actually initially from another makeover trainer who has done something similar to me. She has her first homebred who is also an Ohio horse. Um, and she sent her first horse to Brian and I had found out from her. And then I just started researching him. Actually, you know, worthy of wings. Cause we've talked about her before. Um, her breeder who I, I met at the makeover, she actually highly recommended Brian. So it was really talking to connections and saying, yeah, this is, this guy's the real deal. Um, the facility is gorgeous. It's set up to be safe for a baby. It's got nice wide aisles. They have um, a, a really nice covered hot walker area, an indoor area, a nice track. They've got a gallop hill. And it's just a peaceful place when you go there and you can feel this energy when you get there. And then you go into Brian's barn and the horses are all happy with their heads hanging out, the, you know, their, their heads hanging out of their stall doors. No one's shying back in a corner. I've gone to some facilities where that was kind of, you walk down to see horses and every single one of them is kind of count, like you see people and they step out of the way. And this was one of those where you go toward the horses and they come to you, which to me shows you what that daily handling is like. Oh, that's amazing. And I love that you set milestones for her just to evaluate her throughout the process. I think a lot of people who don't study the racing world have this perception, like we send them in, we make them do the job, we pull them off when it's time to retire. And it, you're showing that that's not the case. You know, you're, you're putting your horse first and that's the exposure that we need to show in the racing world that those trainers do exist. So you're a first timer kind of getting into the racing world. For anyone who's considering making that jump or even thinking about getting involved, do you have some top tips or lessons that you've learned in the process? I think one is put your ego aside. So, and, and two is don't judge racing before you actually get involved. So those, those two tips would be for me, I am very much a control freak. I'm used to having 100% control of my horses. And then that pairs with this side of, I 
racing is a foreign language to me in some ways, right? There's, there's a different feeding routine. There's a different, there's no turnout at the rate at the training barn. There's a lot of things that are different for my horse, but I also then look at the outcomes of training of, of the, the quality trainers and the quality facilities are the horses are, are, groomed every single day. My horses aren't even groomed every single day. Like they're, <laughs> they're groomed every single month, right? They are, they have hands on their, their legs are rubbed down. They're in wraps that they need to be. They're poultice when they need to be. They're conditioned. They're fed well. They're, there's like, a, they're under a microscope all the time. So I had to really say, okay, Kyle, you know exactly what you're doing with your horses at home. And that's great. And their purpose at home is very different. But when they go away to training, be open-minded don't judge the race trainer for doing something. We had certain, we had discussions and actually this is one of the reasons I chose Brian is because I was able to say to him flat out, first of all, I'm going to be a helicopter. Please bear with me. And he was okay with that. And secondly, like there's certain non-negotiables. Like I will not allow ear twitching. If I see anyone's ear twitching my horse, I won't allow it. If I see anyone leading my horse with a lip chain, I, I, I'm pulling her from the barn and having that, being able to be open with your trainer, but then also saying, you know what? I don't use a chain over the nose at home, but I don't think it's a bad thing when handled correctly. This is the tool you use and the tool you need. I am going to trust you as the expert in this field. And I'm, I'm trusting you with my, with my horse. So there's that piece of really going into it and saying, I know a lot, but you know more in this area. And so I'm going to trust you, but I'm also going to be open and honest. And I'm going to give you, I'm going to make sure we're very clearly communicating just like I would with my horses, right? I have to be clear with my horses that you don't cross this line. And if you do, then there's, there's a consequence. The same fact went when I was deciding where I would send her. So I would tell anyone looking to go into racing, A, jump into it, give it a try, ask a lot of questions. The racing community is willing to help. Um, and just know that it's a different language. Just like your horse coming off the track has to learn a new language. You're going onto the track. You might have to learn a new lingo. You might have to learn a new cadence. You might have to realize these people are up at three o'clock in the morning. So don't call them at seven o'clock at night and expect them to be happy. They're probably in bed. So there's a difference in those cadence. Be open to learning a new language when you go there. Oh my gosh. Thank you, Kyle. Thank you for offering all this great tips and just the experience and sharing it, you know, you're very transparent on your page. And if people want to follow, you know, Diana's path and your journey through this, where can they find you? Yeah. So, um, I obviously post everything. So, uh, anything you want to find a lady, Diana former is on my Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash OTTB guy. So I'm OTTB guy on Facebook and my website is OTTB There's a page for Diana. She's Diana with a Y because uh, she's from the Dynaformer lines with a Y. So it's OTTBGuy.com slash D-Y-A-N-A. Um, and that's where you can find anything about her. I will be posting about her journey. We leave in a few days to go down to Kentucky for her first long trailer trip. But I'll be posting everything on social media uh, through Facebook and also some updates on the website as well. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Kyle, for joining us. And uh, we'll make sure to put links in our show notes for anyone who would like to follow Diana's story and journey. And uh, we wish you guys the best of luck. Thank you so much. Thanks again for having me on. Of course. Bates Saddles offer highly specialized saddles for every discipline, engineered to bring out the best in you and your horse. Underneath the finest European leather, you will feel the power of innovation. For you, the rider, enjoy instantaneous comfort, optimal balance, and seamless contact with your horse, leaving you free to concentrate on your aids. For your horse, the care cushion system and easy change fit solution ensure their absolute comfort and your peace of mind. 
Revolutionize your riding experience and fulfill your true potential by riding in a bait saddle. Visit baitsaddles.com to find out more. That's baitsaddles.com. And from the back of the pack on the outside, commanding firm is taken second, but California Chrome shines right in the Kentucky Derby! And now it's time for the new vocations, Winner's Circle, Adoptable Horse of the Week. Well, it's time to torture yourself with looking at a new horse that is potentially can be in your backyard in just a minute. Um, we, of course, have to go to new vocations and talk to Leandra. How's everything in Kentucky, friend? It's doing really well. Thanks for asking. So you've got a horse we're going to talk about in just a second, Queenwood. But as you know, we always like to surprise you with a special fun training question and not tell you what it is before I ask and just put you completely on the spot. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Join our discussing groundwork earlier. What is, you know, people always say, oh, you get a, a thoroughbred, do some groundwork, do groundwork. Groundwork is such a common word. What to you is your definition of groundwork? And give me an exercise or two. Okay. Well, it can mean a bunch of different things, which clearly you you know, since you're asking me the question, there's the ambiguity. So we have round pens. They're great to work with, especially with young horses. Um, and we work both in and out of the round pens when we're doing groundwork. But a round pen, if you have it, can be a really great tool. It can save your shoulders from... Um, young horses who are trying to figure out what a circle is on a line. So generally, you know, groundwork, I would say in our program, if I'm just generally referring to that, I mean lunging. Um, There are a lot of different things you can do on the ground. My horse, for example, my young guy, he had really terrible feet and he's also an RRP contender. So I didn't do anything with him for a long time. And so we kind of had the joys of just doing things on the ground, exploring spaces and not really like working per se. So that definitely is not to be undervalued, just exploring and doing things with your horses. And I think that gets glazed over, but that's a really important piece of the puzzle. If you're trying to work on a bond with your horse, but if you're talking about in a working sort of mindset, groundwork would be, again, if we're just looking at lunging, other people like to do things like long lining, but again, we just focus on the lunging more. So you can do it on a long line on the lunge line, or you can do it at Liberty if you have a round bend. And at Liberty would be when you're just working a horse with no line and you usually have a lunging crop of or a rope or something to sort of drive the horse, but you're looking for their raw reaction, but it's a little less controlled. If they want to change directions, you can sort of stop them in their path, but it's just a little less organized. And we use that, especially for horses who are more oppositional in their general mindset, just in the way that they, just like with kids, I'm sure I don't have kids, but definitely seen it um, that you have some who just are a little bit quicker to refuse or just a little bit quicker to fight about things. So rather than try to deal with that while you're teaching them to go in a circle, which again can wreck your shoulder, 
you can use, if you have the tool, round pen to just work some of those things out and get them moving in a direction and you're not having to worry about handling the rope and trying to, again, teach them how to just go in a circle um, around you because it usually turns into sort of an oblong and you're just, there are a lot of things to focus on with lunging. But so if you can do it liberty, that's a great tool, especially if you have a horse who is more oppositional. But it also can just help you teach some of the other young ones who are learning how to lunge what a circle is. And so but on the lunge line, I really like to see, again, in just general words of groundwork, more than just working a horse in a circle, you're going to be looking for things like the horse's movement, their attitude, how they deal with pressure. So when you ask them to do things like change direction and you have a little pressure on their face or if they get themselves, say you're working in a ring and they're not doing a great circle and they get themselves on the other side of a jump or something, it can be a barrel or whatever, I don't like to correct them right away. I like to see them think and see how they figure out the situation so you can learn a lot from a horse other than just teaching them how to go in a circle, teaching them uh, the different gate, you know, cues for the different gates and all those sort of things. So I don't know if I'm helping you with this question at all, but the groundwork for us a lot of times means lunging, but it's so much more than just lunging on the line because you can see things like personality, quality of movement, how they think, and just start to foster a little bit of that relationship from the ground. So one of the things that I like to do is just if I'm working on the lunge line, I'll give you that example first, is say that you have the basics down so you don't have to go over that. Say they can just go in a circle. I like to see how they think if you ask them to change directions a couple of times and then sort of keep them on their toes and maybe you stop driving. So driving would be like if you have the whip or the rope or whatever you're using to kind of like motivate them to move forward. If you stop using that and just wait and see what their reaction is, Mm -hmm. some horses will pretend like you don't exist and other ones will sort of stop and turn in. But either way, you're, when you're doing that, you're asking them to change directions multiple times and doing things like, you know, to respect your body space. Yeah. With that, with the turning. Absolutely. And, and teaching yeah. them, you know, pressure with your body and your eyes and everything. And I do agree with you, man. I don't know how anybody starts horses or off the restarts horses without a, without a, a round pin. So oh, I, I think it's such an incredible tool. I can't imagine doing it without one. Uh, so definitely if that, if you're restarting horses and you don't, that needs to be on your shopping list for sure. Oh, it will yeah. ch- make your life so much easier. Well, well, you what I before we move on because I just for the people who don't have a round pen and they're like great what do I do with that I did actually just start one of the two-year-olds that we have learning how to lunge in our big ring knowing what I was getting myself into but she is a horse who kind of gets a little claustrophobic so I just I wanted to sort of figure things out with her there and there are two things that I just wanted to say are going to be really helpful to you if you have to do those situations if you have a horse who starts to throw themselves backwards or is looking like they're sort of running out of the circle. If you have any of those points where there's a lot of energy thrown away from you and you know that you're going to be tugged on, 
sort of try to get, um, I'll do like pulse the lead rope before they hit the end of the line. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause you can, usually there's like a moment of slack. So sort of pulse the lead rope. So you tug, um, and they feel some of the nose pressure before they get to that full force. And usually it's stop some of that force a little bit and you're going to just pulse again. <sighs> It's a half halt on the one joint. Absolutely. And if you can grab that moment before they're at full tilt, it's going to save you a lot of pain, especially in your shoulder being <laughs> catapulted across the ring. So that sort of pulsing motion, um, but then also uh, just really importantly, start slow. Don't try to rush them into any higher energy gate. Um, if they can't handle the walk, they're not likely to be able to handle exactly. at any other speed. But I think a lot of people rush into like trot and other things. But if you can just control it at the walk and keep a little bit of a smaller circle while still mining your space, you're going to be a lot better off for it. I I think, Leander, as an eventer, um, I my my training method has always been like get the heart rate up, get the heart rate up. We got to get fit, got to get fit, got to get fit. And you know what? You miss a lot when your mindset is get fit, get fit, because you're you kind of rush past things. So it's really yeah. really important to just you know it doesn't take that long. You know what? So they don't yeah. have a heart rate that, you know, escalates to the point of getting, you know, uh, the aerobic activity that they need or whatever, you know, just take it slow at first. Slow is fast for sure. And, and I always just try to turn on, I'll put some music on and if you can at least walk them for like two songs, then you're doing well. And, and that's, <gasps> you like know what they could, battle. they could walk the horse during this podcast, listen to the podcast, put it in your little cell phone pocket, turn us on and you should still be walking by now. (laughs) Well, before we run out of time, we got to talk about queen wood, who is the son of one of my favorites animal kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. It's very exciting. I think his offspring just tend to be really good looking and sporty and, and queen woods definitely no exception. He's a 2017 he is now a gelding. He's one of the very few exceptions of the horses who come in totally intact still. We actually gelded him here, and I rode him before he was gelded, and he is basically the same horse through and through. Uh, and he's just such a neat character. So not only is he ridiculously good-looking and has this really sweet, lovable personality, but he is one hunk of horse under saddle as well. He is a little bit more of a leg ride, but he's kind of that type of horse that once you get him going, he's not that much work. I think just right now, our what we're working with him on is just keeping his focus. He is a typical three-year-old in that he'll see something and his brain totally wanders. And so you might have to sort of bump him and remind him what you're doing. <laughs> right, right. But, you know, right. Like, you really can't complain. People have this preconceived notion of horse who is currently or recently gelded and he totally shatters that mold because he is uh, a much more lackadaisical kind of dude, but I could just see him going in so many different directions. I think that he is going to be a really stellar prospect for someone and he doesn't require a really advanced rider. So, you know, he's, he's really quite the exception in a lot of ways, but 
Yeah, you know, he looked he looked kind of big, like kind of solid in the pictures. And then mm-hmm. when you see him under attack, he really looks like a lighter horse because he just moves kind yeah. of uphill and and he's very mm-hmm. natural. Oh, yeah. So 16 one hand bay gelding in the barn. It's his name is not Queen. His name is Woody. Mm-hmm. Queen Wood is the horse. And you can get this horse at the exorbitant adoption fee. Oh, my God. Of five hundred dollars. What a steal. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. again, you can go to horseadoption.com. The horse's name is Queen Wood. And Leandra, as always, we appreciate your knowledge and your time. And, and thanks for what you do for all of the, the racehorses. Well, thank you so much for having me. Always a pleasure. You can find our show notes and links to today's guests on the website at retiredracehorseradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search for Retired Racehorse Radio, or you can follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. If you haven't done so already, make sure to check out Jamie's Facebook page, Flyover Farm, Jamie Jennings Certified, Monty Roberts Instructor, or send her an email at jamie at horseradionetwork.com. You can also email me at joy at horseradionetwork.com or find me on Instagram at joyhequestrian. Thank you so much to our amazing sponsors. We could not do it without you. Kentucky Performance Products, Cashel Products, and Bait Saddles. And don't forget to check out all the other shows at Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Remember, set your goals high and love to learn from every ride. And spay, neuter, and geld. Bye, guys. Bye.